general economy. So, yeah, but you've seen in equity markets and also in FX markets a clear reaction to the COVID uh, crisis right now. Well, Toby, we hope things improve over there very quickly for you and, and for everyone else there. So do please look after yourself, stay safe, and thank you very much for talking with us. That's Toby Lawson, who is the CEO of Societe Generale in India. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take a final look at the markets for this week around Asia. In Australia, the SX200 is off about 0.1%. Stocks in Japan are moving up slightly, about 0.1% higher. Uh, they're about a quarter of a percent higher in South Korea. And the Hang Seng looks like it's going to add about a quarter of a percent at the open in just under an hour's time. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil is slightly lower, trading at $66.88 a barrel. And gold is at $1,700. $165 an ounce. Thank you very much for listening this week. Do have a great weekend. Stay tuned for Back Chat with Hugh Chiverton and Danny Gittings after the news. The weather forecast for today, mainly cloudy with one or two showers, more showers later and a maximum temperature of about 24 degrees. The outlook, mainly cloudy tomorrow with more showers at first and then the weather will improve early to midweek next week. The temperature right now is 22 degrees, 92% relative humidity. It's 8.31 and a half with the half-hour news headlines. Here's Samantha Butler. Biden administration official says the U.S. and Japanese prime ministers are expected to agree on a joint statement on Taiwan in a summit meeting today. The meeting with Prime Minister Yoshihide Suga will be Joe Biden's first in-person one with a foreign leader. The two are also expected to discuss Beijing's treatment of Muslims in the Xinjiang region and its influence over Hong Kong, while also announcing a two billion U.S. dollar Japanese investment in 5G telecommunications to counter China's Huawei technologies. The last time. U.S. and Japanese leaders referred to Taiwan in a joint statement was in 1969 when Japan's prime minister said maintenance of peace and security in the Taiwan area was important. The most senior trade official in the United States says trade should be used as a tool to protect the planet. Catherine Tai was speaking ahead of a climate summit organized by President Biden. Here's the BBC's Jonathan Josephs. Catherine Tai said the U.S. would use its economic power to tackle what she called the climate crisis. That crisis, she said, ranged from air and water pollution to illegal locking and overfishing. It's a warning to potential trading partners of where Washington's priorities now lie. Ambassador Tai said the aim for trade needed to be fair competition that didn't suppress environmental protection. But she warned enforcing the rules would be key. The White House has insisted the United States can keep an eye on any terror threats emanating from Afghanistan without having U.S. forces there. Mr. Biden announced on Wednesday that all troops will pull out of Afghanistan by September the 11th this year. The move has raised fears of a possible civil war. Eli Ershad is a former member of the Afghan parliament. She said she couldn't understand the decision. They had a few agendas, like uh, defeating uh, terrorism, women rights, rebuilding Afghanistan, but none of them were uh, completed and implemented. So if they couldn't implement their agendas, why did they came and why are they leaving? You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Hugh Chiverton, your co-host today, Danny Gittings. Danny, good morning to you. Good morning. Today we're talking about blank vote problems and no Hong Kong visitors 
for Macau. The government is formally proposing to make it a crime for people to publicly urge others to cast blank or spoiled ballots or not vote at all, as it unveiled a host of bills to amend local laws in line with the sweeping electoral forms initiated by Beijing last month. It would also be a crime to obstruct or prevent people from casting a ballot, and both offences will be punishable by up to three years in prison. But can you outlaw inciting people to do something that's legal? Or is it like sex work in Hong Kong, where pimping is illegal, but prostitution is And what is public? Is that Facebook, for example, or Instagram, or a message on Signal? What about talking to friends? Ronnie Tong says we should just stop looking for loopholes. Do you agree? After 9.15, we're going to be discussing the continuing ban for Hong Kong visitors to uh, enter Macau without going through quarantine. Let us know your thoughts, your questions, and your comments on our Facebook page, Backchat and RTHK Radio 3, by email, backchat at rthk.hk, or you can call us, and the number is 233-88266, 233-8826. Just a few uh, emails we uh, weren't able to get to uh, yesterday. Uh, One that came in actually early from Mary, and I apologise, I missed. Um, uh, Mary says, uh, according to uh, Andrew Lung, quote, pro-establishment lawmakers will carve out space for themselves. The government should do more for underdogs in society, position themselves in this space, unquote. Uh, so, in other words, an admission that despite all the proclamations of the part of the DAB and FTU of their dedication to the interests of the grassroots, they failed for the past 24 years to do anything to improve the lives of the underdogs. This despite the fact that the pro-establishment has always held a majority of seats in the legislature and their for the power to effect change. Instead, they always supported measures to restrict the, empl- the empowerment of workers and to maintain the tycoon privileges and the status quo. And they will suddenly undergo a road to Damascus experience, beggar's belief. No doubt the plight of the grassroots will be exploited in the run-up to the gerrymandered LegCo election, but once that is out of the way, it will be back to their usual cursory review of bills between naps and mobile messaging and then reach for the rubber stamp. That comes from Mary and... Uh, Matthew uh, yesterday said, uh, fascinating that Nixie Lamb is giggling and sharing us with us in an innocent and naive sounding manner that she's just now learning how the CCP works and is still not so clear on it, given that she's been an aggressive advocate for the destruction of Hong Kong's democratic systems and their replacement by authoritarian rule. Anyway, it sounds like she really likes what she's reading and will inevitably conclude it's a great leap forward for us. Uh, RTHK is reporting this morning, that's yesterday, that a person charged in Hong Kong with national security law offences related to Andy Lee's case has appointed a DAB member as his lawyer. This feels eerily similar to the mainland practice of forcing people to only appoint government-friendly lawyers. Is this a new practice now in Hong Kong? Nixie, any insight on this? Anticipated response, a giggle followed by it's people's right to appoint any lawyer they choose, isn't it? That is from Matthew. And one more from uh, Andrew Kay, who says, on your Hong Kong Today programme this morning, Chow Hang Tung, question mark, was complaining about being deprived of her freedom of speech. On the radio, where do the these people get airtime. That comes from uh, Andrew Kay. Our guests um, for the uh, first part of the show, we have uh, Sura Diva, Associate Professor at City University of Hong Kong School of Law, and Michael Chigani, veteran journalist and TV host. Uh, good morning. Uh, Michael Chigani, let's go to you first. Good morning, Danny. What do you make of this uh, new pr- proposal for a law to um, ban advoca- advocacy of um, um, blank votes? Um, it's not passed yet, of course, so we're, we're, fr- we're free to speak. We're, we're, will you be voting? I've never really voted in Hong Kong, uh, and I won't be voting. I'm not registered to vote. Um, Goodness but me, you're me, not doing uh, a civic duty, are you? Well, it is my civic duty, but I kind of took a, 
a decision that if I vote in American elections, I won't vote in Hong Kong elections. And the other decision was because I do TV um, and write columns, I would rather be neutral, even though I have a right to take one side or the other. In my private capacity, I decided not to do that. That's, that's the rationale. So more generally, what do you make of the, uh, the government's proposal on this? Um, wh wh how, how do you assess uh, well, the Well, when I first heard it, I, I really kind of fell off my chair. I mean, casting blank votes is, is really a, a right of any person. Uh, and they're not taking away that right. They're saying, sure, you can go and cast a, a blank vote. But as you guys said, as Hugh said earlier, how do you criminalize something that in itself is legal? If casting a blank vote is legal, why can't I ask others to cast a blank vote? It's the same as if you belong to one political party and you're asking the voters to vote for that political political party. Then the other side can say, well, I don't have a political party. My political party is casting blank votes. So I'm asking people to cast blank votes. You can set up a political party named that. So why would that be wrong? I, I understand what you're saying, but there are exceptions. You mentioned at the start, relatively few in number. But for instance, um, um, it's, it's, it's not against the law to commit suicide, but it, it can in certain places be against the law to um, encourage other people to commit suicide. You know, some, sometimes uh, when I hear arguments like that, uh, you know, I, I laugh as well, because committing suicide is not a political right. Committing suicide is somebody's death. Somebody is dying. He or she's killing himself or herself, and you're egging her or him to do it, okay? That's really different from a political right, right which is to express your political opinion. Expressing that opinion is not causing a death. Yeah. So when, when, when I hear these arguments, I don't know whether I should laugh or I ask myself what's happened to Hong Kong when these arguments are made to the point that I don't know whether it was uh, Justice Secretary or whoever uh, said that uh, even if you wear a T-shirt advocating blank votes, you could be criminalized. You could be arrested. Or yeah, if you put out a, a white blank sheet outside your window. You know, I mean, have we reached that stage where wearing a T-shirt with a political slogan is illegal? Yes. I know we have. Yeah. That's, why, that's why I'm saying I just fell off my chair when I heard it. I, I just couldn't believe it. Um. So, so Yadiva, uh, first Yadiva, good morning to you, and, and thanks good for morning. joining us. What, 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 what do you make on this? Do you think there are, there, are, there are constitutional issues here? Ronnie Tong is basically saying, you know, uh, stop fussing, uh, stop looking for, for loopholes. Um, the intention is, is, is pretty clear, I guess, uh, would be his, his message. Uh, just don't m encourage other people to, to do blank votes. What's your take on it? I think we should see this legislation in the light of the wider uh, legal and political changes that are being introduced uh, in Hong Kong. So I will see this as a legitimization of illegality by law. So let me try to explain what this means. Uh, in my view, uh, whatever amendments have been introduced with the new policy of uh, patriots governing Hong Kong, they are, in my view, unconstitutional because they violate uh, Article 159, Part 4, the last sentence, which is that the basic uh, established policies of the PRC regarding Hong Kong cannot be amended, right? But that is very clear. Of course, uh, this is unconstitutional and illegal in that way, but the courts 
may not have the courage in Hong Kong to declare this unconstitutional. Now, can I can I stop you? Sorry, can I stop you there? Just expand a little bit. What, 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 why is that unconstitutional? Having patriots because, administering Hong Kong. There is a power of amendment. There is a power of amendment. Of course, the basic law can be amended, mm -hmm. but that there are certain parts of the basic law which is codified as the basic policies of the PRC regarding Hong Kong. They cannot be amended. They are beyond the power of the NPC or the. Uh, sorry, and what's the basic what's the basic policy in the basic law that's and being? These policies are documented both in the Sino-British Declaration and they're also codified in the Basic Law. Yeah, but sir, sir, sorry, sir, uh, you know that doesn't stop. Um, yes, it's true those documents refer to freedom of speech. It doesn't stop certain restrictions on freedom of speech. It's well established in numerous court cases that you can have some restriction on freedom of speech. They're subject to various tests, such as whether they're proportionate. Surely the issue here is whether a restriction like this is, is actually proportionate, which is something that could be tested in the court. Yes, I mean, that is one aspect of it, but I'm raising a more fundamental question. And the more fundamental question is that this bill that has been introduced is based on this new policy of patriot governing Hong Kong and this new amendment... Uh, sorry, administering, I think, is the, is the English word. Sorry, carry on, yeah, go on. So I think that is, that is the difficulty here. So I think that is one thing that I wanted to highlight. But, but of course, uh, if people start casting blank votes, or if people openly say, oh, let us do not participate in this election, that will raise serious questions about the legitimacy of this so-called uh, new model of democracy in Hong Kong. And I think uh, Beijing and Hong Kong government would not really like this. And that's why they are creating this new legal framework, which will force people to confer this legitimacy on this illegality. I think that's how I see it. So it can definitely be challenged before the court of law, and I hope that the courts still very rigorously uh, judge its validity. But uh, the courts also have to operate within the new um, legal system, new political system that has been imposed on Hong Kong. So I think I'm, I'm less confident that the courts uh, will be as rigorous and they will show the courage to declare these things unconstitutional going forward. Thank you very much. You just heard Shira Diva from City University of Hong Kong, also with us Michael Chigani, discussing uh, the proposals um, in terms of outlawing advocacy of blank voting and indeed not voting at all. If you have any thoughts, uh, do e email us at backchat at and a very thoughtful email uh, from Boeing on this topic. Uh, Boeing says, uh, legally speaking, Paul Jay is clearly wrong in comparing inciting others to cast blank votes with a present law on prostitution. The comparison he made with the law on suicide is liable to be controversial. In the case of prostitution, criminal liability lies with procuring another person to become a prostitute, living on the earnings of uh, prostitution of another, and tenants and occupiers permitting premises, etc., to be used for prostitution under various sections of Hong Kong's crimes ordinance. In other words, inciting another person to be a prostitute, per se, is not a crime under the ordinance. As regards the comparison with suicide, the first point to notice that the common law offence of inciting another to commit suicide was abrogated in Britain by the Suicide Act in 1961, and a new statutory crime of aiding, abetting, counselling or procuring a suicide or attempted suicide was created. 
Hong Kong's equivalent of that statutory offence is, is in the Offences Against the Persons Ordinance. Secondly, the criminal liability and degree of moral culpability under the statutory, new statutory offences is itself sometimes controversial. This is because of potential instances where uh, of the potential instance of the offence can include cases where a person merely supplies a deadly drug to a suffering and dying patient anxious to accelerate the end. And even where a spouse or carer simply performs the act of escorting a terminally ill loved one to a suicide clinic in Switzerland. For the later type of cases, for example, the situation in the UK in 2005 was such that a leading legal text commented that although prosecutions have been contemplated against those who've done so, none appears to have been brought. So based on the experience of the law on both prostitution and suicide, the inchoate offence of incitement must have been judged not to be appropriate or simply too wide to be used as the principal offence for the crimes concerned. It appears that what the authorities are trying to do in the present case is also one of creating a new principal offence, as opposed to secondary participation in a crime which does not exist. And uh, the leading criminal law text, Smith and Hogan, provides a clear explanation. It says that in relation to uh, inchoate offences of incitement, conspiracy attempt, there are sound reasons of policy and principle for punishing these types of wrongdoing, a central one being that the defendant has demonstrated by his actions his willingness that a substantive offence be committed. Inchoate offences always relate to a substantive offence. Casting blank and spoil um, votes is, are not substantive offences. In, incitement is likely to be the wrong criminal law tool to accomplish the government's present objective, if there is indeed a good reason to accomplish that objective. Thank you very much, Professor Diva, do you want to comment on that? Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, the, this line of argument, and I think Michael alluded to it, is that the Supreme already, uh, I think this is just comparing apples with oranges, you know, giving these examples of prostitution aside. I mean, uh, when we talk about the political rights, the idea of encouraging others to vote in a particular way is a very fundamental part of this. This is the whole essence of their democracy, that we campaign and we, we collectively and alone argue that, okay, vote for A, vote, don't vote for B. There is a political manifesto. That, that, is, that is the very essence of democratic election. Now, if the government would like to choose who can contest the election, they would also like to decide for us who we should vote for, then there is hardly any idea of democracy here, in my view. So this is uh, definitely very, very problematic. And I think there will be practical implications, which have already been highlighted. For instance, uh, if people encourage this activity not to vote or vote uh, blank papers, all this, before the election period, how do you enforce it, right? So people can make this plea now. Uh, the elections may take place in December. Or what if people make this plea uh, from outside Hong Kong or through Internet, which you cannot effectively regulate in this global world, right? So I think there are practical difficulties, and Hong Kong people are very creative. So, uh, so I'm sure they will find ways to creatively comply with this legislation, and this is uh, something which police power... Uh, is going to be abused, in my view. Uh, hmm. the police is, is going to just arrest anyone. Okay, let's follow, follow up with our last point. So we're with Michael Chigani. Uh, Michael, you've lived here most yeah. of your life. Uh, so you were just saying Hong Kong people are very creative and finding ways. Are people already talking about how they, 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 they won't say, uh, let's not cast votes, they'll say, let's go hiking instead. I mean, uh, what, well, what? they have. Uh, the, 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 the Chinese actor, <laughs> whose name is Pat Pugh, mm. 
And in Cantonese, bak piu, bak piu means blank vote. So that piu sounds very similar to that, right? So they are very creative, and, and they'll find ways. I mean, this whole thing about... So does it really in matter in the end when people can find ways around it? I mean, well, I, I, think, I, think, I think it does. Uh, I'll give you an example. Yesterday I was out in Central, and I was walking through Admiralty, and there was one of these about Thai stores. And, uh, you know, it's like, well, four or five days later when, when they raided the warehouse, and uh, it was packed. It was inside the mall in Pacific Place uh, uh, by Admiralty. Not, not Pacific Place, Admiralty. And, and people were lining up right through the mall to buy about Thai stuff. Okay, then I got to Central. I went to the HSBC. I came out. And in Statue Square, there was a little stall that uh, was promoting national security, whatever day it was yesterday. Um, and there were, there, were, there were people there. They were half the size of the people that were lining up to buy about time. People do find a way. If you raid a store that they think you shouldn't have, they'll go and buy their stuff. If you arrest Jimmy Lai, they'll buy up all the newspapers, which they did. So they always find a way. They will always find a way to do something. And if you say that if I advocate blank votes, it's inciting something, then I'll find another way to advocate it. And I just can understand why it is so again, uh, when, when the government says, if you cast a black vote, you're ex inciting or affecting the outcome of an election. Every goddamn election is affected. Uh, the outcome is affected by some factor or another. Whether you're a Democratic Party member, Republican, or whatever, you go out there and you try and affect the outcome of that election. That's the very essence of an election and the casting of votes. But again, if it's so easy to find a way around this law, why, why, are we getting, why should we get so concerned about it? It's, we're getting concerned about it not because you can find a way around it. It's, it's the principle. It's the principle of affecting your political rights. I mean, if I have a WhatsApp group or a signal group that's got 50 people in it, and within that encrypted group, it's encrypted, and I say, come go less than, let's go and cast blank votes. I mean, it's encrypted, nobody will know. And then the others will forward that out to others and to others and to others. Is that a crime? I just don't know. I, uh, I really don't yes. know. Yes. I mean, if you uh, could say you, you are part, you advocating to other people, um, whether they choose to prosecute. But if, but... The others, if the others have got their private chat groups and you belong to that chat group as well, and you say, hey, you know what, this particular group that I've got 50 people with, they're doing this. And I'm with your group, you've got 100 people. I'm not advocating it to the public. It's a private circle. Sure, Diva, one issue that's been raised is it, it's, it's very hard to find in any other country. I mean, countries in elsewhere in the world, they do have laws about um, compulsory voting. But um, it's uh, very hard to find any country that doesn't have a law about compulsory voting, but then has a, has a law like that's been proposed here. Yes, at least I'm not aware. At least I'm not aware of uh, such, such a country where this kind of a law is there. In fact, there are countries which uh, provide voters an option, none of these. Like, let us say there are five candidates, and a voter thinks that none of these five candidates are good enough to get my vote. There are countries who are definitely creating that as a sixth option, that you can vote for that. So I think it is other way around, in fact, where uh, people are encouraged 
to exercise their right to vote in a in a negative manner to send a message that look uh, you're not worthy of my vote at all does this uh, does, does this reaction perhaps show uh you know the the sensitive point uh, that they've gone to this trouble of including this at this extra law as you say perhaps without precedent uh because this is this is what really worries them that the, the uh, i don't know perhaps that the turnout would be an embarrassment or something like that of course well, the turnout will be an embarrassment <laughs> we all know that if, if 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 it's the way it is now how, how low do you think it could be? I think there was an opinion poll, wasn't there, Michael Chigani? He said that um, uh, one-third of voters overall are not interested in voting and two-thirds of uh, those who vote for the Democratic camp are not interested in voting. I mean, but maybe many of those people actually will turn out when it comes to it. Um, I, I just don't know. I mean, I cannot guess now because you're talking about December. Yeah. I don't know what uh, things will change in Hong Kong. But every time you look at the Hong Kong electorate or Hong Kong people in general... When they feel strongly about something, they'll do it. Like at the height of the 2019 unrest, they went out in droves and they drove out all the establishment district councillors, right? When they called for primary elections, uh, 600,000 something people came out to vote, right? And then now you're asking people to go and, uh, and, and, and uh, get vaccinated and people don't trust the government and they're not coming out. So every time, I mean, the Hong Kong public really has a mind of its own, and it will follow that. It will do things like about Thai, about buying up all Apple Daily newspapers, about going to primaries, about voting out the establishment people during district council elections. They will do it. And, and whether they will turn out and, and vote or not, I don't know. It really depends on how many dem Democrats aren't are those, allowed as candidates. Okay, aren't all those things, one way or another an anti-government, anti-China expression, and that's not what we need? We don't need an anti-China uh, expression. We don't. But we have to ask ourselves why there is. Why does it exist? There wasn't an anti-China uh, feeling when, 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 uh, after 1997 for quite a few years. There weren't. There was to a certain extent after 89, before the handover, it died down. After 1997, a lot of people were quite content with doing it, with what they wanted until we got to 2003 when they, when they had the security law and people came out. That settled down and then people got on with their lives again until 2014 when they had the political reform, which people got not very ha happy about. And then we had the umbrella movement and then things settled down again until we had the extradition bill. So if you look at that history, People are not really anti-China until you give them a reason to. All right, so I have some comment. Jim says, uh, who cares if an individual chooses not to vote? I would never follow such a personal decision to cast my privilege of voting. Why is this a discussion? Uh, asks Jim. I think because there's a new law to make it illegal. Um, Phil B says Bowen is off track and is clouding the issue. His diatribe, however clever, is just rambling. Let's stick to the issue. That comes uh, from uh, Phil B. Uh, and um, 
James says uh, these seem unnecessary measures as hundreds of thousands of people will need no inducement to not vote or spoil their ballot. Carrie Lamb's Byzantine electoral arrangements will have done that. I fully expect that by election day there will be yet another government app and we must scan our completed ballot. There will of course be a new hotline to dob in bad or non-voters. These people must be weeded out from the garden of democracy. If only gambling had such certain results as the next election will have. Meanwhile, at the Exhibition Centre in Wan Chai, the Hong Kong Pet Show is being held. I wonder who will get the best in show in the lapdog category. That comes... Uh, from uh, James and Alan says back chat so the government will now criminalise urging others to cast blank or spoiled ballots uh, pretty much guaranteeing that there will be a huge number of people doing exactly that if we are ever allowed to have vote again that is this is like CY in 2014 finding one article in a student paper about Hong Kong independence that a handful might have read and forgotten a week later and imagining a huge conspiracy using it to stick to beat anyone who wanted a shred of democracy so some people seeing how what easy it was to to provoke the government started using it as a slogan. The same thing will happen with informal votes. The bigger fuss the government makes, the more attractive the idea is. But the shoe shiners cannot see a flicker of opposition without all trying to prove their loyalty by attacking it. That's from Alan. Uh, Michael Chicani, just quickly, yeah. how about that last comment that if you try, try and t- make, say people can't cast blank votes, that may just encourage more Hong Kong people to do so? That's, that, that's, yeah, the guy took the words out of my mouth. That's exactly what Hong Kong people do. You tell them to do something they don't like doing it, then they will, won't do it. If you ask them to not do something and they want to do it, then they will do it. That really is the Hong Kong nature. It really is how Hong Kong people feel. There, there is an undercurrent here. Uh, I mean, Carrie Lang keeps on saying that we, we've gone back to normal in Hong Kong. We have not. We have not gone back to normal. There is a hidden abnormal out there. That, that has not been solved. And people, the only way people can now express themselves is to do things when you ask them not to do it. That's the only way they can express it. It's a form of protest. And why it's there, why has it been there for so long? The government needs to ask itself, why is it still there? It's still there because you haven't dealt with everything, that, all their concerns. They're all there. And you say Hong Kong is normal. It's not normal. If Hong Kong was normal, people won't be lining up for a week outside about Thai buying stuff that they don't need. Okay. That's not normal. All right. Michael Chigani, thank you very much indeed for joining us, veteran journalist and uh, a TV host, um, former host of Backchat, of course, as well. Uh, Suya Diva, Associate Professor in the City University School of Law, thank you very much indeed for, for, for joining us. We're going to be joined by uh, Lokin Hay, a chairman of the Democratic Party. After the news at nine, we want to hear from you as well. Give us a call, 233 You want to engage directly uh, or comment on our Facebook page or by email, backchat.rthk.hk. Also talking about Macau. We're not going to be allowed into Macau. Uh, the weather forecast, mainly cloudy with a couple of showers, 22 degrees, the latest relative humidity up at 91%. Region and its influence over Hong Kong, while also announcing a $2 billion US dollar Japanese investment in 5G telecommunications to counter China's Huawei technologies. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. Back chat this Friday morning with Danny Gittings and me, Hugh Tiverton. We're talking about this uh, uh, new proposed uh, law, part of the uh, improved uh, electoral system, uh, that uh, will make it uh, illegal to incite another person not to vote or to cast invalid vote by activity in public during the election uh, period. Uh, some controversy over this, uh, and we were exploring that in the first part of the programme with Professor Suya Deva from City University School of Law and Michael Chigani, uh, veteran journalist and 
TV host. We're now joined by Loken Ho of the Democratic Party. We're also going to be talking about a decision uh, by uh, Macau uh, not to allow uh, people from Hong Kong to uh, enter there until there have been zero cases uh, in Hong Kong for uh, two weeks. Uh, that is uh, to allow them to enter without uh, qu- without a quarantine period. We'll be hearing from uh, Macau uh, a take on that. Okay, some uh, emails and comments on our Facebook page, uh, first of all. Uh, Bowen, responding to uh, Phil B's earlier email, says, uh, Dear Bank Chan, I accept my contribution today is mainly for the consideration of fellow lawyers, particularly the legal draft in the DOJ. I don't particularly blame Phil B for having failed to follow the argument. That comes from Bowen. And uh, Phil B uh, himself says, there is an anti-government and anti-China view because of foreign interference and the backstabbing local circus of Democrats. That's the view of uh, Phil B. Um, on Facebook, Henry says, voting is a solemn act, particularly LegCo's functions, including examining bills, etc. Casting blank vote or spoiled vote effectively says the voter is dissatisfied with the voting system, candidates not to his liking, etc. To urge others to do so is, in effect, influencing others' voting decision and clearly is against the principle that voters' decisions are independent and sacrosanct and should not be any un- under any undue influence. Particularly, many voters are seniors or their decisions could be easily swayed by people with ulterior motive. The government decision to protect voters here is right and justified. Any person not satisfied with the system or candidates could abstain from voting, showing in the voter turnout number. Ronnie Tong is right. We should not dwell on looking for loopholes. Why waste time here? What do you want to achieve? Needless to say, it's to find ways to influence voters without committing criminal offence. Clearly, the influencer does not like the new LegCo structure, does not respect voting, wants Hong Kong to continue embroiled in endless debates resulting in Hong Kong lagging further behind and Hong Kong's deep-rooted problem remaining unresolved and getting bigger each year. That's from Henry. TC says it's legal for a voter to cast a blank or spoiled vote, so how is it illegal for someone to tell others to do something legal? The logic just doesn't seem to add up on this one. Uh, Moreover, if a KOL in Hong Kong tries to sway their supporters by publicly saying he or she will cast a blank vote but doesn't actually tell others to do it, would that be illegal as well. The bigger logical question for me is whether the purpose of this exercise is to save the government from embarrassment because this government is rarely concerned about being in an embarrassing position. TC says, and for those who think I'm unfit to comment because I don't live in Hong Kong, let's just say I've been I've voted in every federal, provincial and municipal elections in Canada since I turned 18, so I might be more experienced on voting as compared to some of my critics. Uh, Henry also says, uh, my experience in the last district council election when I was queuing, a woman came saying, Hong Konger uh, Gai Yao. The message is vote the pandems. Hong Kong at that time referring to supporters of pandem. Um, although she may say her utterance was innocent, but everyone knows what it means trying to affect the election outcome. I feel disgusted. Why did she want to influence me? Did she think I'm stupid? Why did she do that? Was she paid to do that? I complained to the officer in charge of the polling station on her influence to queuing voters, and he agreed my complaint is valid. He agreed... Uh, with that her utterance means that if you are a Hong Kong person, you should vote for the pandems. This shows that even wearing a T-shirt with a relevant message um, may be an issue. 
And Tom says, it's interesting and a good thing the political conversations in Hong Kong have shifted from overthrowing the government to such meta-topics as discussing black ballots for non-existent candidates. Maybe we'll soon return to metaphorical folk ballads and clever political cartoons like the good old days of rational discourse. And from the back chat program description, I just learned that prostitution is legal. So I've discovered a new career choice, but I can't recommend the same to other listeners. That comes uh, from uh, Tom. I think you can. I think we were, we were establishing you can recommend to other listeners that they become prostitutes if you want, Tom. Uh, but you can't uh, get money from it. I think, yeah, I think that's specific. Okay. Uh, Tuck in. <laughs> uh, Lokin Hay, um, uh, chair, chair of the D Democratic Party. Good morning. Uh, um, w morning. Welcome back to Backchat. Uh, now, we've been hearing on Backchat this morning about um, all the different loop... Hong Kong people so creative. There are all these different loopholes in this new law and whether it's using different Cantonese terms or saying uh, go hiking and so many people have been talking about possible loopholes. So wh why should we worry about this law if uh, people can get around it? Well, I think it is, it is, it is, it is quite unreasonable and it is irrational to, to do this uh, from the government. And, and I, I, and I believe that, uh, because, you know, voting is a very personal choice, uh, it's a very personal right. Uh, it is their obligation, of course, that they can exercise their right or not. So, um, I think people will just keep on uh, doing what they have been doing in the past, uh, and they will decide whether to go to the poll or not. And, and what the government is doing is not encouraging people to participate in the election. They are not trying to save the election. They are just actually hindering people from going there. But again, if people will just continue doing it, why worry about this law? It's not going to make any, di it's not, not going to make any difference. Well, I think it is. I, I'm not actually worried about this law. I'm just dissatisfied the way that okay. the government tries to yes. handle this this issue. Uh, I think uh, for Hong Kong people, uh, I think uh, we can support anybody, we can support any candidates. And if we couldn't support anyone, and we think anybody, or maybe they're not patriot enough, I think all the candidates are not patriot uh, enough. And so I decide I have to tell the people, uh, no, everybody is wrong. They, they, they couldn't get our support. And I urge other people not to support anybody. Why am I being uh, criminalized? Uh, it, it is just irrational, and and the way the government doing it, uh, and the, and the explanation those provisioning people have, it's just ridiculous. Do you think it'll have the effect of encouraging more people to cast uh, blank votes or spoil ballots? Well, I think yes, uh, um, because uh, as you can see in the past, uh, uh, the, the Hong Kong government had come to a point that. Uh, Whenever they try to persuade people or force people to do anything, the people will defy it. Uh, especially if defying that, uh, 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 that purpose is something which is totally legal. That is, I, I cast my own blank vote or I, I don't go to uh, the polling station altogether. So, um, uh, it is, it is, it is quite sure. Uh, and the sentiment is quite strong. I mean, uh, after the government's announcement on the actual plan, how they're how they going to amend the law and making it a, a crime that, that you can be jailed for at most three years, something like that. Uh, uh, Hong Kong people reacted very vigorously. How, how low, I, this law hasn't been passed, and even if it is, when it is, if or when it, it, it is, my understanding is it only takes effect at the start of the election campaign, so we're quite free to talk now about uh, predictions of uh, uh, turnout. How, yeah. how low do you think election turnout could go in legislative council elections? Well, 
Uh, I think it depends on a few factors. Uh, first of all, whether or not uh, the pure democracy can uh, refill any candidates uh, in the election. Uh, the second, I think, um, uh, is uh, how rigorous those uh, contests are. Uh, if the contests are not uh, rigorous, and, and especially if the pro-democracy can didn't feel anybody at the end, uh, uh, if that is the case, then I believe that it would go as slow as maybe just half of the uh, 2019, maybe. Um, so in, in 2019, it is about a 70% of turnout rate. So I think it would go uh, well be below 40 Maybe okay. I'm not sure, but um, uh, I think if the if the turnout rate drops from fifty to uh, drops from seventy to fifty or forty, it is a very strong signal of how Hong Kong people uh, uh, think about the election system. I mean, you could say this is a misstep by the, the by by the administration because it will only encourage more people to to say cast blank votes uh, uh, and, and so on and, and you know look at this loophole or you could say this is a very smart move by the by the administration surely because all this energy and all this ingenuity and all this focus will be on something which achieves absolutely nothing which would, would will go be dedicated yeah. to to blank voting and that the um, the administration is actually uh, very effectively put up this this target and everyone's going to be um, putting their mind on a blank vote when they should be, from your point of view, focusing on other issues, bigger well, issues, think, more important issues, more substantial issues. Yeah, yeah, I think that that, that kind of amendment actually focuses on the blank vote. I think this is a very uh, valid point because uh, at the, in the past we don't we don't have that much of attention on whether or not to cast a blank vote this early stage, uh, but the government tried to focus uh, the people on that. So uh, this is a, a very stupid move. Uh, and of course, there are a lot of other things that... Uh, Sorry, stupid by who? Stupid by the government or stupid by the people? Because there will be... The yeah, there'll, be, there'll all kinds of be smart ways to outlaw it and there'll be, you know, memes uh, and so on and they won't achieve anything at all. Um, and therefore, the government could say, yeah, job done. Well, I think the, the move from the government is stupid because uh, because it is because having the blank vote never got the true attention of the majority of the people. But when the government announced that, it, it, it just spreads out to all the people in Hong Kong because they dominated the the airwaves. So um, I think that kind of changes uh, is is one of the reason why the uh, response from the people is so rigorous, and and that is that is if if the government really wanted to stop people from casting blank vote, uh, I'm I'm sure this is counterproductive. Now, you, you, you said the turnout rate uh, in the elections is crucially going to depend on the decision of the uh, Democratic camp about whether or not to take part in the elections. And uh, that raises the, the role of your party. Uh, the former chair of your party, Emily Lau, has repeatedly yeah. said that um, uh, you, you, the Democratic Party should not take part in these elections. But uh, you, you, you've made it clear that, that that option remains open. There seem to be um, some uh, divided opinions within the party on this. Yes, that, that, there is a lot of different opinions in, within the party. Uh, some of the people uh, said that we should not be uh, going into the election, uh, and some of us uh, said, uh, well, we should still stay there and, and keep on the fight there. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a time for us to discuss, and I think uh, those discussions, no matter in private or in open discussion, uh, it is good for the party. So. Uh, 
I, I think I welcome those differences because uh, uh, this is how uh, society works. We have uh, some divided views and we try to come up with a consensus. But I think that is what the society should be doing. It, uh, it, it, it would be very strange if uh, we have a very, uh, we have just one opinion uh, at this at this stage. So I, I welcome Emily's idea and I welcome others' ideas uh, of uh, needing to, to get on into the election. And, and so we can discuss and debate and at the end we made the decisions uh, in our party. So uh, I think that is uh, the way we will go forward. What's your timetable for reaching a decision on this important issue? Sorry? What's your timetable? When will you reach it? When will the party reach a decision? Well, you can't uh, leave uh, it too late, can you, right? Yeah, we uh, we're, we're actually thinking that uh, the, the the last moment that we have to decide will be after the uh, election committee election, which is uh, in mid uh, September. Uh, so we will probably have our uh, annual general meeting or, or emergency general meeting uh, in mid September to have our final decision. But, uh, for the time, for the time being, I think more and more uh, detailed discussion will be held within our party. And lastly, on the Democratic camp, I know you're the Democratic Party, not the Civic Party, but w what do you make of this statement by the f four senior members of the Civic Party saying that the Civic Party should be disbanded altogether? And this seems a, uh, a very realistic prospect. You, you, Democratic Party might be left as the last major party in the Democratic camp. Uh, um, I think it's, uh, I think I'm not in a good position to, to, to comment on that, but uh, I respect uh, the, the views of those four uh, former Civic Party members, and I also uh, respect the, the the opinion, the views of the Civic Party that they gave out uh, yesterday, that they will keep on fighting. And whenever they will keep on fighting, I think uh, the Democratic Party will uh, keep on uh, being alongside with the Civic Party in the move, in the fight for Hong Kong's democracy and freedom. But you are aware you could come to a situation where the Democratic Party are the last one standing, that you're the only major political party left on the Democratic camp. Uh, I think uh, at this moment I can still see a lot of our friends are still in the arena and we will keep on to, to, to fight the fight that we need in Hong Kong. Okay, well, uh, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us, uh, Lokin Hay, chairman of thank the uh, Democratic Party. Just a couple more uh, emails on the uh, topic to uh, end. Uh, Jay says, we have a big to-do about the law, but it would be more appropriate to put the candidates on display, tell us their full history, and then we can decide whether or why we want to waste or vote by or whether we want or why we want to waste a vote by not voting. Uh, and uh, Jay also says, get our man Steve Vines up there to do a rundown on the candidates, then I'll have a good reason which direction to put my vote, and even to think about a blank vote. Um, that is uh, from uh, Jay. Thank you very much indeed for that. Uh, Backchat at rthk.hk. Oh, and a couple more from uh, Jimmy, uh, who says, for my first 22 years living in Hong Kong under British occupation, I was not allowed the privilege of casting a democratic vote. Why would I now abuse my right to vote solely at the the request of another uh, asks uh, Jim and uh, he also says every voting cycle Hong Kong and America I advocate all eligible voters to vote uh, should that or those cast a secret ballot which is blank is that action not the voters right that's also uh, from uh, Jim thanks very much indeed back chat at rthk.hk and a couple on Facebook queue 
Other? I didn't uh, see that. <laughs> <laughs> Some new ones? Uh, to- Tom say, um Tom's saying it's interesting, a good thing that political conversations in Hong Kong have shifted from overthrowing the government to meta-topics. Oh, I read that. Okay. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> you missed that. We talked about the prostitution as well. I think it's the same. Uh, yeah. Um, we wanted to talk finally today about, uh, about uh, Macau uh, and the announcement from the chief executive, basically the, the status quo, that uh, Hong Kong uh, uh, must have zero COVID-19 cases for, uh, for two consecutive weeks, 14 days, uh, before they'll allow quarantine-free travel uh, from Hong Kong um, to uh, Macau. Joining us now is uh, John App, visiting professor and director of the Global Centre for Tourism, Education and Training at the Macau Institute for Tourism Studies. Uh, John, good morning to you. Thanks so much indeed for, for, for joining us uh, once again. So it's so kind of a hard line from Macau, I guess. I think maybe, thought maybe people thought there might be a little bit of room for, uh, for some flexibility there, but um, they're sticking to their guns. Right, yeah, on, on the surface of it, yeah, it seems to be a bit harsh, but then you need to acknowledge and recognise that um, yeah, Macau has been pretty safe uh, since about last April where... Yeah, we've had a lot of freedom and um, yeah, hardly any lockdowns per se. And I, I think the, the main consideration uh, for the stance taken by the chief executive in, in Macau uh, relates to the uh, availability of medical and health services. Um, we only have two hospitals here in Macau, and that is a, a key consideration. Um, very different to, to Hong Kong. I mean, obviously a much larger population than a lot more extensive range of uh, medical uh, and hospital facilities. Uh, I think that is a major consideration. The other concern about Hong Kong, I think, is the fact that um, there are still um, untraceable community cases. And um, Macau can ill afford to have any case. I mean, up until now, we've only had 49 cases, uh, most of which, I think 47 of which, were imported. So you need to understand from the Macau position, I mean, at the moment, right, um, despite the fact that we currently have zero cases, um, we are still wearing masks. Um, For me to come to the office and to to go to any public building or any uh, facility where large uh, large numbers of people may gather, um, you know, we show our um, health declaration code. Right. So we've been doing this um, you know, since about last uh, April. Now, in Hong Kong, you've got this leave home safely uh, system and declaration. But as you know, the, the uptake of that is very low. So you know, I think Macau has got very good reason to um, you know, be concerned and be cautious. But then on the other hand, since last uh, September, right, uh, mainland... Uh, tourists are able to come and visit Macau, and we had 5.91 million visitors last year, and I'm, you know, a very different case to, to Hong Kong. So we've been open. So as long as we know that a particular, you know, uh, host, I mean, you know, origin um, for tourists, uh, when they come, we, if they are, have got um, COVID-19 under control, we are more than welcome to. to uh, to, to have them come, as in the case with you know, the mainland uh, Chinese. So what's happening is that we are finding that, uh, right, because uh, things are well under control in, in the mainland, if there's a hot spot, right, um, people, you know, if they try to come to Hong Kong, are immediately placed in um, hotel quarantine. Now, again, that's another thing that we've had 
um, you know, in, in Macau, hotel, quar- hotel quarantine system, you know, uh, literally from, from day one. So that, that, that's the situation uh, in Macau. And, yeah, certainly um, I, I'm fortunate and glad to be you know, living in, and, and working in Hong Kong uh, during this period because, um, you know, we, we haven't had any lockdowns. Our, uh, uh, actually, working in Macau. Living, living and working in Macau, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. 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 So, 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 so just explain. So, for mainland visitors, um, they've got to have a a negative test, but they don't have to do the quarantine unless they come from a hot spot and they kind of update um, where those hot spots are, and then you have to have two weeks quarantine. Correct. So, I mean, are there many tourists now on the streets of of Macau and the casinos of Macau? Well, certainly on the weekends. You know, since about last, well, yes, yeah, since about last uh, September, um, you know, they had over half a million visitors coming, you know, predominantly, obviously, you know, from the mainland. Um, I mean, there are a trickle of uh, Hong Kongers who are able to come here for, you know, business reasons and you know, special reasons, OK? But um, if people do come, I mean, they are, are subject to, to, to quarantine. Um, and, and I think, you know, the... The situation in Macau, you know, uh, socially, socially and you know, politically is very different to Macau. Uh, one time I gave a presentation to a group of European academics and they talked about some of the, um, the seas uh, where, whereby Macau was able to contain and tame the coronavirus beast. Sorry, the coronavirus beast, as I call it. And it basically was that um, there has been consistency of messaging, you know, by the government, there's contract tracing, uh, checking of temperature, confidence in government and its political leadership, um, also courageous leadership and decisive decision-making, um, whereby the, the people of Macau, um, you know, I feel, you know, very comfortable and confident in the way in, in which the uh, pandemic is being uh, managed here. You, you mentioned that people in Macau um, normally still, wear, pretty much always still wear masks. And as far as I understand that, that's different from some of the other places that have conquered uh, uh, COVID. I, I mean, in, in Taiwan and even on the mainland, I mean, some people wear masks, but it, it's not nearly so universal these days when, they, when, uh, when they've conquered COVID. But in Macau, you, you still do everywhere all the time, pretty much, right? Yes, that's right, because um, you need to understand that um, you know, upon the, the, the first case of um, you know, coronavirus in, in Macau, uh, the, the government was very fortunate that uh, Jung Nansan, who is the leading medical expert um, who helped um, you know, uh, beat, beat SARS, and um, also, would, if you want to know who, who this gentleman is, well, yeah, he, he's the Dr. Fauci of China, right? Um, it so happened that he was in Macau at the time that the coronavirus uh, outbreak uh, in Macau, and it was just one case at that time. And he was able to provide, you know, timely and good advice, which was um, addressed by the uh, chief executive and his team. And uh, the first thing they did is that they had the, um, the, the mask... Uh, control mechanism, whereby, right, in Macau, uh, initially I could buy 10 masks for eight patates every 10 days. Now, then they've changed that to uh, we can buy 30 masks every 30 days. So there was price and supply control of masks. So 
because of that, yes, uh, we are continuing to, to wear masks. And you, know, you can easily tell who a tourist is, is that often um, you know, if you go around into the, you know, the tourist areas and the casinos, if people are not wearing masks, uh, then you know they're, they're likely to, to come from the mainland. They couldn't come from anywhere else, could they? <laughs> they couldn't come from Canada. Um, okay, here's a question from from uh, Philip, uh, who says uh, this uh, quotes a Hong Kong Standard article on on the uh, uh, the idea of zero cases for 14 days before quarantine access. Philip says, "Do you know if these zero cases include imported cases or just for local transmissions?" The article doesn't state. Many thanks and have a lovely weekend. Same to you, Philip. Uh, That's a good question, Philip. I was wondering with myself the same thing. I looked at the Macau. I couldn't see any kind of details from the Macau government announcement. Do you happen to know, John App, was that... Because we always get in Hong Kong, most of the cases are actually people sort of apprehended at the airport um, arrivals. Yeah, I mean, being a small area and then, um, you know, there are only another handful. I think there are seven access points into Macau. Um, so they're able to, you know, do the testing. Um, and then, you know, even before, you know, testing was um, you know, introduced, uh, they had immediate uh, you know, quarantining. Yeah, so they're able to, you know, basically you know, stop uh, you know, the, the spread of the, the virus. Yeah. Right. Jay says we're being misled with vaccine information. We understand the vaccine will run out in August the 1st. I take it that's because it's expired. Will the government be then reordering a second dose? Uh, asks uh, Jay. Um, thanks very much indeed for that. Many thanks to John App, a visiting professor, director of Global Centre for Tourism, Education and Training at the Macau Institute for Tourism Studies. Uh, time for one more email. This is from Alan, uh, who says, uh, back chat messages from people like Henry saying that trying to influence a vote is illegal. What? During an election... It is illegal to advocate how people should vote? That is insane. Another wrote complaining about being told to vote pandem while lining up on an election booth. I think it's the same guy. Uh, that is completely different. There is no campaigning allowed at or close by voting booth. That is a rule everywhere. FYI, in Australia, voting is compulsory. If you fail to turn up to vote without a valid excuse, you may be fined about 200 Australian dollars. Turnout is over 90%, but then you are free to then vote informal and about 5% do. You see bumper stickers advocating informal votes, mostly ironic, but quite legal. That is uh, from uh, Alan. Thank you very much indeed for that, Danny. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, here's the weather before we go. Many cloudy with a couple of light rain showers, more showers later. 22 degrees now. Relative humidity is at 92%. Online scams are everywhere these days. Be careful or you may suffer financial losses. Watch out for phishing emails and fake websites. Don't trust supposed online investment experts who promise to make you money. And beware of online dating scams. The tactics may differ, so take extra care when it comes to parting with your money. Don't fall prey to online financial scams. For more information, visit ifec.org.hk. 931, the news now with Samantha Butler. Civil Service Chief Patrick Nip has appeared to backtrack on comments that the BioNTech vaccine won't be available in Hong Kong after September. Mr Nip, who's in charge of the vaccination drive, clarified that if some people needed more time to check their suitability for a jab, they could still get the German-manufactured vaccine at other medical institutions. Four people have died in a fire in a public housing flat in Sao Mao Ping. The fire at Potat Estate broke out around 3 o'clock this morning in the fifth floor flat. The victims are aged between 2 and 40.
And scientists in the US and China have implanted human stem cells within monkey embryos, sparking controversy over the ethics and legality of creating mixed species organisms known as chimeras. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Thanks very much, Sam. Thanks to Hugh and the team, James Ross in for Phil for one day only. Let's go to the beach, eat, let's go get a wave. They say what they gonna say. Have a drink, clink, found a Bud Light. That, like me, it's hard to come by. The Patron, um, let's go get it down. The sound, um, yes, I'm in the zone. Is it two, three, leave a good tip. I'ma blow all of my money and don't get I'm on the floor. Minaj and Starships kicking us off. Uh, Phil's yes, off for the day. James Ross in with a focus on music from Hong Kong to get us going. Uh, we have an exclusive play shortly of uh, two new tracks on Morning Brew from The Sleeves, who've just been included on a new China anthology of punk. Uh, Keith Goodman will be online to tell us more. After 10, we hear about a new music festival.